It's a dreadful call and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Medler, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Early Saturday morning, Spurs' 2019 slump continued as they traveled to Brighton and lost 3-0 and also lost their keeper, Hugo Lloris, to a broken arm. Liverpool and Leicester had a highly contentious clash on Saturday midday. Mane opening the scoring before a James Madison goal was able to pull him back late in the game. However, in stoppage time, Mane earned a late penalty with James Milner converting, giving the Reds all three points as their perfect start to the season continues. Sunday was a game for a major upset for two of the quote-unquote big six. Arsenal won 1-0 at home over Bournemouth as the Gunners continue to move up the table and find themselves in third place heading into the international break. Chelsea won 4-1 over Southampton. Tammy Abraham continues to bring his shooting boots to the pitch Christian Pulisic getting an assist off the bench for that one for Chelsea. And Wolves shocked the world on Sunday morning with a 2-0 win over City at the Etihad. Adam Traore indebted a brace as Wolves get a huge win after traveling to Besiktas this midweek for the Europa League. And Newcastle United finished off the weekend with a 1-0 win over lowly Manchester United, who find themselves two points above the bottom three as we head into the break. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm Andrew Kassar. we got Alex Moss, Javier Revelo, along for the ride. We're going to recap all the Premier League news and notes for you as we head into one of the darkest times of the year, yet another mid-fall international break. It's been, uh, oh yeah, it's way too soon. Didn't we just have one? Yep, it's the uh, yeah. it's like the first like we weekend just had one of each like month or something like that. Three weeks ago, September, like October, months. November, and then we don't have another one until uh, till March, I think March or May, something like that. I can't wait for yeah. that time. Back to having like games just every three days. Now we just you know it's yeah it's we we had that week this whole week where we had football pretty much every day because we had. Right. The Arsenal game on Monday, then we had the Champions League, and then we had Europa League, and then you had Saturday of the full weekend, and now we're now we're going back to this bullshit of we're gonna play a random game between two international teams that I don't give a fuck about on a Tuesday. So such such is life. But here <laughs> but we go. But at least all three. When was the last time all three of our teams won on the weekend? It's been a while. I think. I don't think it's. it's been I don't think it's been that long. I think I think just like it hasn't really coincided really? that much. You sure? In, in recent times, in the last like, in the like since the start of 2019, it definitely hasn't happened many weekends. Yeah, that's been that's been it's the fault weekend. of it's... some more than others. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It has <laughs> big, but big weekend. We got Everton in the bottom three, Manchester United just above the the bottom three. Like, they, there's there's some uh, there's some things that are probably going to happen on this international break. We may have to check a take a talk. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talking. I know that yeah. because there's going to be a lot of rumors about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, about Pochettino, um, Marco Silva, Marco Silva. Marco Silva. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people on the chopping block that uh, you know, and, and there's some new heroes in town. Graham Potter. We're talking about who's in danger, Javier. Come on. Yeah, yeah, like there's there's three very clear managers that I think we can safely say if things don't turn around like immediately after the international break, namely Solskjaer, Pochettino, and Silva, 
then you, you can't imagine those clubs stick with those managers for that long, you know, with the pace that United are on. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's only October guys. We've already had one managerial sacking and we're lining up for possibly three more pretty soon. It's uh, only in the Premier League. Only in the Premier League. Only in the Pre- Let's start about talking about one of those three teams that could be uh, changing managers, and that would be Spurs, like I said, getting uh, losing 3 nothing at Brighton. Uh, Malpai in the third, Connolly in the 32nd, and the 65th. And the first goal, really unfortunate scene for Hugo Lloris, who goes up for it, catches the ball, like tries to grab the ball, doesn't catch I don't know what it. he was doing. He could have just easily yeah. tipped that over the bar, but... Yeah, you see, like the computer goalkeepers do that in FIFA, where they like catch it and just hold it like outside the line, and he was like, he could have just like pawed it over the the crossbar. He would have given away a, a corner, but I mean, it's better than either conceding a goal or getting injured, and he managed to do both of those on that play. So, classic Spurs. <laughs> I mean, they 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 cannot catch a break. I did not like them in this game from the get, but. Just another game. But not three nil, man. Come on, we were. I think we said one one or maybe one nil Spurs. Like, I don't yeah. think we were really thinking big uh, Brighton win here. And I, I was just happy that what I kind of floated out there last week with the uh, the, the way too like conservative of like a three four three that Potter was playing with Brighton. He switched up and he played two strikers in Malpai and that young Irish striker scored twice, uh, Aaron Connolly. Uh, and they obviously were very successful. They got all three goals, and Connolly was like a bit of a, like an injection of directness and pace that gave Spurs a lot of trouble. So that ended up working for Brighton. I would think it's going to try to see if this uh, can uh, be a consistent source of goals for them. All right, now Tottenham are in ninth place right now. They're in eleven points. They're still only a one win away from being back in the top. One win away, and a few teams losing for them being in the back in the in the in the bottom three. Oh, you're if going you're that you're going that way. Okay, I thought you were going to yeah, go the other way. But I, I well, I'm going to go that way. I just want to give you know, I want to give both sides the story here. If you're a Tottenham fan, how how panicky are you right now? Especially after the loss in the Champions League and the Premier League. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not like massively panicked. If I'm a Tottenham fan here, uh, I think that you tend tend to think that having the best coach in the world, having you know, uh, uh, a system that's been in place for a long time. And a lot of these players have been there. They're just going through a bad run of form and they've gotten new players into the squad like La Celso, like Ndombele, who've been pick, picking up nibbling injuries. And you just got to, this, 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 these two weeks might be like a huge blessing in disguise for Spurs because it might give them enough time to, you know, collect, collect themselves again and get, you know, just really work hard in training and yeah. And, and also like get away from the, 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 the team as well, going to their national teams, they'll be able to, you know, be around different environments if they maybe weren't having a, a great time at Tottenham and then come back later on and, and, and do well. So I, I would be worried if there isn't a reaction when they come back though, if they like come back and are flat and don't, don't look good the first game back, then I'm like, maybe we got to start looking at some changes or, or, or something, you know, we're not that far from January, though. So coincidentally, that first game back after the international break is home against Watford. So if, I mean, it works both ways. If they get things back on track and win that game, you're thinking, okay, good, that was the perfect game for that. But if they draw or they somehow lose at home to pro- probably the worst team on form in the league this year, then you're thinking, oh, okay, this is this is untenable. Like 
Pochettino needs to leave. A bunch of these players need to be sold in January. Probably all, like Vertonghen, uh, Eriksson, Alderweireld is like on like the last year of his deal. Get rid of all the players that aren't fully committed to what's going on right here, right now, and are looking elsewhere for their futures. And see if you can salvage something in the second half of the season. Maybe uh, like another little mini Champions League run or maybe a top four run in the second half if you could buy players in January. So there's certainly a way back to saving their season. But I don't, it's starting to get to the point where I'm not sure how realistic it is that this core group of players and Pochettino all see out this season. Uh, if this season is going to be successful. There's got to be something behind the scenes going on there because... We can't Their talk about it, Javier. We can't talk dramatic. about it. It's all, uh, it's all rumors. Right. It is all rumors. So we can't, uh, can't really say what, what's going on. But hopefully, maybe Pochettino talks about it during the international break. So I would love some. I'm sure a lot of Spurs fans today would like clarification as to uh, what exactly is going on. I thought we were both talking about the Bertongan sleeping with uh, Ericsson's girlfriend rumor. Are we? Are we still talking about that? Oh, maybe that was that what it. Is? I mean, that's like what that's the dumb rumor that I, came uh, out of nowhere from some kid in I England or something. I tend to uh, tend to agree with that. Sentiment. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Let's agree with the worst possible thing that could be happening. You still you don't get that joke, do you? Ten, ten two, Tottenham. Oh, they lost ten two. two in the last. Uh, yeah. No, I've been trying get to get that. that one by, but no, you guys, yeah, you guys I, haven't I, been, you guys haven't been it only receptive. Would have, it only would have been that bad if. Uh, um, it would only been that bad if Bayern had beat them 10-2. That's, that's where that joke Well, yeah, I guess the last two yeah. games, Hey, there's still a second game, okay, at the Allianz Arena. They just need to score three goals, which... Bayern 3-0 win. You know. Yeah, and it's 10-2. Right. Yeah, so it could happen. It could happen. You know, it's like when after the We've Europa League final... We've talked way too much about Spurs. It, I need to, I need to, like, we need to end this segment. It's like after it's the like, Europa it's, League it's, final it's when I said to Javier, you know, I, for one, think Arsenal uh, didn't play that badly in the Europa League final. <laughs> Yeah. Some score lines were just made to use as trolls. All right. Well, then let's jump over to uh, let's jump over to the Liverpool game who beat Leicester 2-1. Mane in the 40th minute, Madison in the 80th, and then the, the James Milner penalty in the 90th plus five. Uh, I know you guys probably want to bitch about it. I really don't think there was – I thought it was a penalty from the moment that, that Mane went down. Am I going to say that he went down – a little dramatically, yes. Am I going to say that there was enough contact for him to go down? Yes. Was it a penalty? Yes. And I now know you guys are going to disagree with me. Curse VAR and 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 say that you know. But the funny thing is, this was the exact no. Thing it's this to is the us. weakness of VAR. It's just like if the ref makes a call and it's and it's not like a clear error, then VAR can't intervene. So because there it was enough of a gray area where I mean. There's contact. He steps on his foot. It's probably a penalty, but it's soft. So that's why they can't they can't call anything on it. And I mean, if they'd given it not a penalty, VAR also I don't think would have called it that. Right. That's Absolutely. where it's like where the gray area is. So it's like if the ref hadn't given the penalty, I don't think anyone would have been felt like that's crazy and VAR wouldn't have been like that's a penalty, you have to call that. Yeah. So I think it's just one of those situations where the ref had the power there and yeah, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily. Um, I mean, I think on like based on the run of play, it was really harsh for Leicester. They they played really well that game, and I was so fucking close to being to calling those the first drop points of the season for Liverpool. 
Yeah, that was uh, your bet of the week. I was so sad right? when you guys scored that goal. I was like, damn it. You had the Leicester draw plus dead. 380. That's like, that That was really right. close and a pretty good bet. It was really, honest. really close. Really, really fucking close. It did way but, better uh, than my Norwich to beat Villa and both to score <laughs> bet, which completely backfired. The funny thing is that James Milner penalty brought in another lock of the week for me because Liverpool got the result and the, got the win with both teams scoring. Um, I do want to say that if we had drawn that game, I would have been really pissed about it because there were two clear chances that Liverpool had that they fired right at the keeper. They were shooting at Schmeichel the entire game. Like they just did, were not clinical at all. So I would have felt really hard done by it. Like I, that was Madison's goal was Leicester's like first shot on target the entire game. And it came in the 80th minute. We were playing very well. Lovren came in and did great work. So um, we'll see. But I mean, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with a win against a top three side at Anfield. Still got to be a little nervy about the defense, but I feel like Allison comes back after this international break and probably saves that goal. And he's supposed to be close. These two weeks could be it for him coming back for for us. My fantasy team is ready. I kind of <laughs> I kind of think this does announce Lester though as like they're they're here to. They might get more than like sixty points this this uh this year. They might get into like the high sixties, even maybe even get seventy points, which would be, you know, really good for them. So, if they're going to be getting that many points, they're going to be taking them off, you know, top six sides, and they're going to be having, they're going to be really really hard to beat at their place, and you know they're going to make it hard to 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 play anywhere they go. So I I I uh I'm pretty impressed with what Brendan Rodgers has been able to do since he came in. And he like improved them a lot at the tail end of last season, and we're really seeing it now during this season. I mean, we didn't talk at all about Brighton in the in we talked a lot about Spurs in the last segment, but they've also improved a lot last year. I, I talked about Brighton they, they, the, the tactical shift they made, like that was a big improvement for them. But they 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 were never scoring three or three goals like they've been you know doing. Well, the first they, game now, of the, the season. second game this season where they scored three goals. They did it in the first game of the season. And they just did it now, so it's impressive that they uh, they that they're you know the, the tactical shift and the, what they've been doing. It you know it that was definitely their best game of the season. Beating Tottenham three 0 is pretty crazy. So um, we definitely should have given them a little bit more praise than we uh, we talked a little bit too much about Spurs. So I wanted to give them a little bit of time. I don't know. I don't think beating Tottenham is that big of a deal anymore after wow. <laughs> after Newcastle did it. Yeah, I mean, you just won the Champions League final beating them, so it probably wasn't that big of a deal that you won the Champions mm. League final either. Liverpool's next two games at Manchester United and home Tottenham. So Liverpool could really put the nail in the coffin for those two teams. Oh, God, can you imagine that? Second yeah, straight just... year of a Man United manager getting fired after a game with Liverpool. That would just be hilarious. They've conceded 17 goals in their last four games. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the other thing. Uh we go for that we could tie Chelsea's record for most games won to start the season against United and break it against Tottenham. Yeah. Wait, wait. Let me guess. Was that record from 2014-15? I may be. Oh, okay. It doesn't it say be there. Conte Never mind. Season. It was. It was Conte. Yeah. No, no. 14-15 was Mourinho. We lost to Liverpool oh, and right. uh, Arsenal in the first couple games of Conte's. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's Never right. Mind. That's yeah, right. right. And then they went on that like 13 game. Yeah. That 13 game run. Yeah. Uh. Let's kick it over to Sunday. Arsenal win one nil um, over Bournemouth with a David Luiz goal. Javier, how did you think of your Gunners' performance against Bournemouth? I mean, it was just another pretty pretty uh, lackluster first team performance. Um, 
but we got the result again. Javier only watches the Europa League games now. He only watches the B team at Arsenal because they're way more fun to watch and they're more Pretty attacking. Much. I mean, our kids are the ones who are providing the push and the drive for the team. I mean, when Willett came off the bench, um, I mean, Torreira looked decent coming on, but it, it like having having youth come on and and be good is is has been like the pushing point for us so far this season. Saka played pretty well. Tell me about um, that. I wouldn't Pepe, know about that. What are you talking about? Pepe's kind of been Yeah. Okay. He had to come off. He came off in the 60th minute again, didn't have the best game again, which you would have thought that this would have been another game where he's, you know, he would have performed. It, you it have must thought be, many it, times. It's good though. It's good though that Emery's like bringing him off when he's not playing well and telling him, "Look, there's consequences. Like if you're not going to be scoring, because there's other players who are knocking on the door right now." And Martinelli, when he came on, he was very, very good, um, and he looks like he's just a live wire. He, he uh, a lot of people have been comparing him to Firmino, and and he definitely reminds me of that in the in like his work rate and just some of the wacky stuff that he likes doing. So, um, yeah, what what a player that we got there for for the amount of money. And yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do in Europa this year. And and now that he got a little bit of game time, Premier League game time, you know, maybe he'll get a start in a game or two because we have a pretty uh pretty easy run coming up these next couple months. There's a lot of like not that hard away games, and we have a lot of really easy home games. So hypothetically, these next couple of months we should be winning every game, or at least you know occasional draws are fine. But I think we should be winning the next. Two months. We don't really ha- we don't have a top six game, and all of our Europa games are easy. So, well, there's one game you'll lose. Which one? Oh, the Liverpool, Liverpool one. No, we're winning Cup. that one. We're winning the one at Anfield. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred oh, percent. Martinelli's gonna score a brace. Yeah, Andrew, it's gonna be Martinelli Andrew, versus Ryan Brewster. Super I'm actually so excited right for that. I'm actually so excited for that. You're like so to see our kids play your again. kids. It's gonna be hype. I mean, you guys aren't gonna play your first team, and nor nor are we. So it's gonna be like it's gonna be like a probably really fun match. We're probably not. We might not play the kids, but we're gonna play Divac Origi and Jardin Shakiri, Champions League winners. Not sure if you've heard of them. I think I don't. I I hope we play the kids. I hope we don't play like Aubameyang and Lacazette and like David. I kind of. I don't know, man. I kind of feel like uh, Emery might go for that, seeing as he needs to win silverware and like knocking the idea of like knocking Liverpool out of the league cup. But nobody actually cares about the league cup. I don't think like at the beginning of the season when the board's like still cares, he still cares. He's still trying to like prove to Arsenal fans and the Arsenal board that he's the right guy for the job. Like any, any trophy for him is a trophy is, is, is like an opportunity. You can't be like, you can't be like shaming the league cup because it doesn't have the prestige right now. It's everything else. Like he, any opportunity? No, for but I doubt like, the board at the beginning of the season set, tells them that the anyone, same, any top six team, that it's a priority to win the league cup. You know, but at the same time, look say, at the hey, league cup winners it's... the last couple of years. It's been like, it's been good teams. It's not been like there's not been like the mid table team coming in and winning it. It's been either City, United, or like like Chelsea and Tottenham and Arsenal are always in like the semifinals for that. That's like if you win that, you beat like right. good teams but on the way to but that. Everyone that's always like a, plays their B team. It's kind of like a good. I mean, not in the semifinals. Not when it gets to the end. Like it, yeah, not when it gets to the semis in the finals. But like up until that point, like we, whenever we've played against like Chelsea or United or any any team like that in the like earlier rounds, we always play our kids. So I expect us to do the same. I mean, it isn't I Wenger think, anymore, but we'll see. 
It's it's it, we'll, we'll it's see. Still we'll, Arsenal at Anfield, dude. You can't. It's at the end that, of the day, it's not that much time. You can't Andrew, get over that. Well, there's two weeks of the international break, and we play on the 29th, so it really isn't that long. All right, let's jump over to Chelsea, who got a 4-1 win against Southampton. Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Danny Ing scoring for Southampton. Conte, all of that in the first half, which means that the over three and a half hit in the first 40 minutes of the game, which. Javier had the nerve to say to me when David Luiz scored in the ninth minute of their game. He was like, ah, Alex, how dare you think that your game was going to be more high scoring than our game? And I was like, listen, the 5-2 with Wolves, we didn't score until like the 30th minute. And then we scored five or four more. So, uh, yeah, just hang on for a sec. And then we obviously went 3-1 up in the first half. And then, and then Mishi Batchwai late in the game, Christian Pulisic coming on in the 80th minute and getting a substitute on that fourth goal. Uh, Alex, how did you think about the Blues? I mean, I said going into this that I was just like supremely confident that like Chelsea would win this game. We have probably, I think we have the best record of any team in Premier League history at St. Mary's, uh, that stadium specifically that opened in 99, I believe. We've won like more games than anyone there. We've scored more goals than any team that goes away there. So uh, for... Uh, for our young players to continue their scoring run wasn't surprising, but I think everyone's rightfully been kind of turning their attention to the senior players like uh, William Ngolo Kante, Shorchino, Aspilicueta, and Marcus Alonso. All of those senior players, who uh, a couple of which started the season pretty poorly and kind of off the pace in terms of how we wanted to play tempo wise. Uh, Aspilicueta and William especially have really come on in these last couple games and they've been huge huge assets in terms of their leadership but also just like they've actually started playing much much better and I'm one of William's William Marcus Alonso I'm probably one of their biggest critics and those two players specifically have uh, have played well enough that I think even when Emerson comes back from injury, if Alonso keeps him out, if he's still playing this well, I I, I wouldn't be surprised or angry about that. He's he's doing that well, and then William is the only reason that Pulisic isn't getting like more consistent game time. William's been absolutely phenomenal the last like four games specifically. So you know that uh, as long as those players are playing well, then I mean. We're probably going to be winning I mean, games. Is that really a surprise? There was a while when Eden was injured, uh, and during your title winning season, when William just carried the uh, the workload for the team, and that's happened multiple times while William's been at the club, where other players have not been stepping up, but William still looked good. So I it's, know that you don't like him. It's happened it's, at times. It's kind of it's kind of like when there's a spotlight to shine, he'll put it on himself. Right. And, and so try and perform I well. agree. It, it's happened at times, but it's always been for very short. Uh, spurts it's been for like five to seven games and then when you start to stretch it over a 38 game season like the guy the guy has still scored 29 league goals in like 250 premier league appearances sadio mane has like 50 premier league goals in like 100 premier league appearances so if that's a guy, I think it's a hundred, a hundred total appearances for Liverpool in all competitions. Something like that. I, I just, yeah, I scrolled by yeah, that. It's fifty goals in a hundred, in a hundred, hundred appearances. My, my argument has always just been like, if he's one of your best attacking players, you're probably in some trouble. But we have some youth players that are stepping into those roles, and it allows William to just be a hard worker who defends really well and uh, links everything on the counterattack, and he's doing really well at that so far. Also, Hudson Odoi with his first start. Everyone, keep an eye on Hudson Odoi, please. Don't give up on Hudson Odoi. He's he could be the best of like this entire young generation. He could absolutely end up being better than Tammy or Mason. And you've seen how well they've played so far. 
It's one to watch. It's one to watch. Uh, let's move to the last 9 o'clock game. Manchester City losing 2-0 at home to Wolves. Adam Atrore in the 80th and the 90th, plus four minutes. Jimenez with the two just, assists. Just, just fucking hand City the, the title, won't you, you motherfuckers? You mean Liverpool? What the fuck? Liverpool? Yeah. Why are they handing you guys the title? Like... No, no, they want to make it difficult again. They were down seven points last season. Now they're down eight points. (sighs) They just want to make it difficult. You know, they want to make it interesting, keep people engaged. Just let Liverpool walk the league this year. Liverpool just now have almost like an unbeatable cushion. Like, that's not fucking catching up. I don't know. City could beat them twice, and then all of a sudden it's a a two-point lead. Till they play City, and then draw City, and then that's pretty much like, that's, that's... Well, Javier, you think Liverpool are dropping points at the Emirates, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If they're they're dropping points at the Emirates and then they lose twice to City, then City are back level with them and they have better goal difference. Yeah, but City are going to keep dropping points. Like, they're shit. Like, they've got (laughs) some defensive problems. This whole Fernandinho experiment. Okay, don't put this on Fernandinho. Fernandinho. Do not put this on Fernandinho. It is Otamendi. Otamendi is the one that is making terrible decision after terrible decision. Them not... Buying another center back after company retiring sure. has definitely come back to uh, haunt them a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, it's only a few more weeks with Stones going to be out. But, yeah, th- th- things don't look great. And also, Stones too, isn't like just that like big I said, an improvement, though, when he comes back. I mean, he is an actual center back, though, who can who can play basic yeah. passes that Otamendi can't. Yes, and and I'll say this. I, I didn't get to watch all of this game, but I watched the extended highlights. City hit the crossbar. They came very close many times. Uh, Rui Patricio had another great game in net. Like this is a game that on any other day, City win three nothing, and this and the two Wolves goals don't happen. I'm not going to say that Wolves didn't deserve the win, and I'm not saying that they got lucky, but I'm saying City clearly like just didn't have that extra that extra step today. I mean, they weren't clinical um, at all. The expected yeah. goals was 1.7 for City and 1.25 for Wolves. And Wolves were the one who went, ones who ended up with two goals. And they could have ended up with more. They had two 1v1s in the first half that Cutrone and uh, Jimenez weren't able to take advantage of. Uh, and then they obviously had the two later in the game that came from uh, switching uh, Adama Traore from right wing back up to the second forward position and having Doherty come in at right wing back. And Adama immediately just starts playing direct dribbling right down the, the, the heart of the city defense on the counterattack. And they just, they couldn't handle it. Him and Jimenez just like... Is uh, is Adama Traore, like, is he uh, a real player now? He might be. Uh, I mean, neither of the goals were the most clinical of finishes. There was, but... I mean, they were. He got the goal. But he, got, he used to he never score. Like, the dude used yes. to be a fucking Dembele in front of goal and just like with that shit um like 24 7 you know so well i mean this is certainly a very big step in the right direction um but sorry sissoko sissoko in front of goal what a big week for wolves where they just got right back to like the defensive counter-attacking identity where they go to besiktas on thursday they play out like a boring nil nil for the entire game and then nick a winner on a set piece right in in the 90th minute uh, to win their first Europa League game. Then they come to City and they have 24% possession and score two goals in the last 10 minutes and win 2-0. Like, if you're struggling, get just get back to whatever it is that you're good at and just focus on that and that will pull you out of whatever hole you're in. So, um, also, 
I want I want to take away some credit for for from Chelsea for that Wolves win. I realized that Willie Bowley didn't start that game, and just how massive he is in their backline. He is like they're they're not they're yeah. not a Europa League level team without him. And he was he scored the winner at Besiktas in midweek, and then he was an absolute monster again in this game on Sunday. Let's jump to the last game of Sunday. It's Newcastle's one nil win over Manchester United, and I'm officially here to say it. Manchester United's not making the top six this year. Oh wow! I know okay. it's we're I know we're eight weeks into the season. I know I picked United to finish four in the top four, but unless they go and bring in at least three players in January, which is very difficult to do, there this this isn't happening. Like the team that they ran out there yesterday was this today was. A load of banter from us. It was a team that you run in the League Cup, frankly. Like, that team... And this is all they have. The injuries are there. You get no Pogba, n- no uh, no Martial again. You're playing a central midfielder out wide. You've got guys playing positions that they absolutely... Like, oh, look, as a Liverpool fan, I'm loving it. As a guy who bet on Newcastle, I'm loving it. This isn't a gr- like this is a huge win for Newcastle, but the the what I take out of this is more is that Manchester United is a clear like do you remember the season Chelsea finished tenth after winning the title under Mourinho, like United are going to be lucky to do that this year because at least that Chelsea team had like yeah really, but they really were they were on players. similar form last year before uh, Solskjaer came in it's I mean it's it's definitely worse this year they're they're it's a worse start it's their worst start I think in thirty years in the league, but. I still think there's a scenario where they fire Solskjaer kind of soon. I don't know who they get in. Maybe things go completely crazy at Tottenham and they end up parting ways with Pochettino and he goes to United. I, I'm just throwing that out there. There's crazier things that have happened. But even then, there's still Max Allegri who's available that they could go and maybe convince and tell him we'll spend anything that you want in January. And with his Champions League pedigree going to a couple of finals, maybe he's able to finally get that Bruno Fernandes deal over the line and they, they have more of a goal threat from midfield. Obviously, Pogba, I mean, if we'd learned anything from the last couple of weeks at United is that like with Pogba, they're like maybe a top six team. Without Pogba, they're like a firmly mid-table team. They have zero positivity or any sort of like quality in midfield without him. Javier and I were watching that game earlier today and we were doing the thing, you know, when you're watching a game and you've watched enough soccer where you can tell where the next pass is going to go just by judging, yep. like, you know, the team kind of well, you see, you see how they've played so far in the game. And we just started calling out their passes using like the marks positive, negative and sideways. And like 90% of the time we were saying negative or sideways and they would make that pass like just between the back line or in the defensive midfield. And then anytime they would try a positive pass, like whipping it on the ground forward to one of the forward or wide players, it would just be turned over or given away or played out of bounds. It was just, it, it was, if it was, it was boring to watch and it was just straight up terrible and we and I, said like early on we're like of course this game is destined for a nil nil and we're like oh but like someone's gonna get a winning goal probably newcastle and like this is exactly what ended up happening i came away early with on, more you notes for it newcastle was just gonna be a one goal game and newcastle hit the bar in the first half matt longstaff and, and we we said it too we're like it's probably gonna be matt longstaff scoring his like debut goal and the 19 year old kid just goes in bangs one in and united just 
were pathetic. I mean, it was like they it was like they allowed it to happen. I don't know. It was bizarre that they uh, everything that you thought was going to happen with them happened, and they didn't really get any chances either. Like they were just they had a like couple said, that like Shar did devoid really of well creativity. To Their midfield was abysmal. Maguire had a I mean, free header that he they didn't have some like random yeah that Maguire free header was the was the obviously the chance of the whole match for them um, but they didn't really have any any like penalty shouts like they're uh, used to getting and you know yeah it's just like this their this whole team offense doesn't, doesn't have a lot for them going forward like going and they don't have kids to fall back on either like they're like Angel Gomez well, they, and Chong and Greenwood. They kind of have Greenwood. I like Greenwood. Yeah, they, but I mean they're good, but they're not, not like ready. they're not. They're also not lighting up Europa. No, they're not. So, and they're I mean, not they, they lighting. They Alkmaar. got eliminated from the Carabao Cup from like, you know, some. They went to Alkmaar and didn't put a shot on target. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Also, people people have made I, a lot of. As soon as I saw that stat, that I I bet Newcastle. Yeah, that's what yeah, it happened for sure. That's I literally because I was tech, putting my rest of my bets in Thursday night. And I was like, fuck it. I'm taking Newcastle. Like, I wasn't confident enough to give it on the pod. I almost put it on our Instagram, at Ghost Gold Pod, on, on, uh, on Sunday morning. And I just didn't have time to put it up. But, yeah, like, the second that I saw that they didn't put a shot on target at Alkmaar, there was like, there's no way they win at Newcastle. But a lot of people have been comparing uh, Manchester United's, like, approach this season to Chelsea's in a way where it's like – a good chunk of their lineup is usually young talent, either from the academy or like just recently purchased. But I think it's pretty relevant to mention that like none of those academy players in like Greenwood and Chong and Angel Gomez uh, have really gotten any like first team experience. Whereas all of Chelsea's best young players have had like at least two or three seasons on loan at pretty big or pretty difficult levels to learn how to be professionals. Like Angel Gomez and Greenwood and Shang uh, specifically have played like a couple of games here and there in cup competitions for United. They've never been asked week in and week out to play with grown men at like the highest level and try to like maintain a consistent like level of form. So it's not really a surprise that those players aren't like lighting it up like right away like a lot of the, the Chelsea or the Arsenal players are. So I, I, I came away with more notes for Newcastle about how good they were than I did like United than Manchester United because like I'm, we're kind of used to it at this point. Like I, I think it's I it's say? worth noting that those the, Sean Longstaff and Matt Longstaff played next to each other. The two brothers, Sean's twenty one and Matt was making his debut and it's nineteen. Obviously scored the winner, and they 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 were just like really really disciplined and like they were kind of the rock that like was just sort of set in stone in the middle of the field, like stayed disciplined and stayed focused defensively and like distributing to everyone else that their like solid solidity just like provided a platform for like Almiron and San Maximum and uh, Jetro Willems and Joe Ellington to just get forward in creative and different ways and play freely. And uh, I mean, it was really cool to see Longstaff, the Matt Longstaff score the winner because we need another ginger player. We need another ginger God. As a as a as a half ginger, as a half blood, I can. I, we need more gingers. Daywalker. As a daywalker, we need more gingers uh, to represent out there. I think it was. I think I saw a stat on Instagram or Twitter today. It this was the twenty three third time that Steve Bruce has played Manchester United, and it was like his first win. <laughs> I think it was his first win like, in twenty three against them, and he's been a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah, different yeah. clubs in that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a lot. And how many times was he at Hull? <laughs> a good amount. Like, 
three times. Yeah, like three or four times. Uh, yeah, so that about wraps it up for us here on the pod today. Uh, obviously, like I said, we head into the international break. Um, and then we'll come back. Liverpool, Manchester United first first weekend is on is the is on the big game coming back that weekend. I think so it's we'll also worth we mentioning see. that uh, Aston Villa beat Norwich five one. We did uh, mention that when I uh, when I I shat on my own bet earlier, Javier. Yeah, yeah, but that is a little bit worrying for Norwich. I think the Pookie party might be over, guys. No, no, no. I don't think the Pookie party's it's over. Just yet. on hiatus. I think, but I think it's on hiatus. Norwich dang up is. It's it's a little in doubt. Well, before we before we kick off and and everything, but before I do that, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ghost Gold Pod at Andrew Passaro at asmos ninety two at Javier Rev nine. Uh, like, review, subscribe on iTunes. But if a manager's getting the kiss of death, I tend to think international it is. break. Who is it, guys? Don't worry, I got this. Yeah, it's Marco Silva. Yeah, That's yeah Marco, Silva. Marco Silva. I don't know. If, I don't know if we have Marco Silva when we record the preview pod for that next Premier League week. Uh, I, They're in the bottom three yeah. with a team that's incredibly talented and has vastly underperformed. They lost to Villa. They lost to Burnley this weekend. Um, they've been in a lot of games, but there's they've got to get results, and they spent too much money on his players for them to be in the bottom three in. Eight games in. Andrew, I'm going to be. Uh, this is slightly off topic. I'm going to be up in your uh, in your city next week. Oh, I'm going to be boy. up in uh, the Big Apple next weekend. Let's get together. Let's uh, record something. Oh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, um, so that wraps it up for us here on the pod. Um, I'm Andrew. Thanks for listening, and until next time, for you.